We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we're for the people of Missouri. We're for brewmasters, stockbrokers, beauty queens, and truck drivers. Whatever you do, if you're a Missourian, we're for you. We are Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and we've got Missouri covered. Welcome to the Homestretch ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, 1510.com, and Facebook Live. Live in studio on a rainy Wednesday afternoon. Kyle, behind the glass. He'll be joined by David Lesky inside the crown in the second segment right around 3.15 to talk some Royals. By the way, little little programming note, last show of the week, I will be in Chicago Thursday through Sunday. So, uh, so no, no, I will not be doing a show uh, on remote in Chicago. Not going to happen. Not going to be working? Going to be watching a concert, aren't you? I will be watching a concert and watching basketball. And apparently driving through the rain again. I, I drove to yeah. Louisville, rained literally all eight hours. I'm going to Chicago tomorrow. Ouch. Supposed to rain on my way there. Now hold up. And on the way back. You have to take your car to the car wash, man. <laughs> Why did you sound like John Gruden right there? <laughs> Got to take your car to the car wash, man. But we'll have some fun with David Lesky uh, in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to bring something up. Do you notice anything different about me, Kyle? You're not wearing a suit today. Well, that's true. Uh, the stash is coming back? No, no. Uh, it's embarrassing. Did you watch the show Friends? Uh, I've seen a little bit of it. There's an episode where what's-his-face Ross tries to get a spray tan and messes it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's me. Yeah, I got a spray tan yesterday. I'm not proud of it. Hear me out, guys. Uh, it, it wasn't a big one. I don't notice it. No, thank you, you thank you, thank you. Hear me out, guys. My girlfriend and I, we were hanging out, and I told her, I said, I will do whatever you want to do today, or this evening. Whatever you want, I'm here for it. She goes, well, it's free tanning week. <laughs> I said, nice, you'll love that. Go get, go get yourself a free tan. That sounds like a good idea. You know, we're heading to Chicago. We want to look good. Yeah. She goes, oh, no, no, no. I mean, we. So I go, all right. I did say anything you want. I will acquiesce. I've never gotten one before. So I get there, and I am just flabbergasted. It is high tech. You have to do all these different poses in there, and I messed up my hands completely. One side of my hand is very tan. The other side is (laughs) ghost-like. So I don't know if I will ever do it again, but I can now say I've gotten one. Yeah. Now, now you know what it's like. Now I know what it's like. You know the pain that the, some ladies go through. That they go through. Yeah. And you know what, fellas, if you get one, I'm not going to judge. I get it. There's, there's a glow. There's a time when I know I've needed one. Yeah. I'm trying to get my, my bronze on, okay? I'm just... Bronze, the bronze on got me. I had to at least throw that out there. So if anyone's wondering why, like, Sterling, did you all of a sudden in the middle of the week take a vacation to Florida? No, I didn't. It was free tanning week, and I acquiesced. And as a good boyfriend, I joined my girlfriend getting a uh, a spray tan. Smart move. I'm going to go ahead and get out of the allegations, you know, first and foremost. Throw them out there now so no one's like, why does Sterling look kind of tan? Yeah, on this Facebook Live. Yeah, so sometimes... (laughs) 
Better to just rip on yourself before other people can. Yeah, See? Smart. Smart. smart move. Uh, something I want to talk about before we talk Royals baseball with Lesky. Taylor Lewan makes direct appeal to Chiefs on Twitter. Uh, Lewan just tagged the Kansas City Chiefs with the double I emoji. And uh, I'm intrigued. I also don't think it's the best move for Kansas City. Nothing against Taylor Lewan. He was obviously a very talented left tackle for a long time in Tennessee. But the past three years, not past year, not past two years, past three years have ended an injury. I don't know if I want to take that risk. Now, if you're saying he's like, oh, yeah, I want to come to Kansas City. I'm at this point in my career. I want to win a ring. My market isn't high. It'll be a veteran Carlos Dunlap-esque type sign, right? You know, where you sign with these guys for uh, on the on the lowdown. Fine. I'll listen. But are you comfortable having Patrick Mahomes, his blind side's protected by a dude who's ended the last three years in injury? Exactly. That's why I'm not comfortable at all. I wouldn't be comfortable. Just I wouldn't know if he's there every week. And plus he's getting up there in age. <clears throat> No, it doesn't make me comfortable at all. I'm not ruling out the veteran move, a Donovan Smith, a Taylor Luan, and then drafting a rookie at 31 or moving up, but I'm still nervous. We talked about it pretty ad nauseum yesterday as far as even if you draft a guy at 20, at 15 at left tackle, the odds of him being ready week one to, to be a starter that you trust is slim. Even right. with top five left tackles in the NFL, the rookie year, it's a huge adjustment, the tackles as well as edges in the NFL. The trenches are a different game from college to the NFL. So much changes, right? Mm-hmm. It's a half-billion-dollar investment. I'm not saying Brett Veach doesn't have a plan. I trust him. He didn't just not tag Orlando Brown Jr. and said, oh, well, we'll just figure out what happens. We'll go with the flow. No, he has something planned. Yeah. But I just don't know if it's Taylor Lewan. I don't think it's Donovan Smith. And Smith was cut yesterday. Was cut right? by the Buccaneers, yes. Right. Um, Donovan Smith is another guy, kind of in the same echelon as Taylor Lewan. Very good player. But instead of injuries, it was a dramatic drop-off for Donovan Smith. All you fans who rip on the rankings for Orlando Brown Jr., you know, PFF, this, that, and the other. Brown Jr.'s PFF number was 75. Donovan, Donovan Smith was 58. Now... I'm not saying PFF is the end-all, be-all. But what I am saying is, if you want a good jumping-off point, there you go. When the fan of the team that cut cut the guy is thrilled, and all they're showing is penalty emojis, that's probably not a guy I want on the Chiefs. Now, if you want to make the case that Donovan Smith should have a a ripe case for a bounce-back year, I will entertain it because the rest of that team, the rest of that line specifically, was decimated by injury. Right? I, I'll, I'll listen to that case, but he's also getting up there in age, and, and I don't see him being the answer, especially long-term. Brett Veach mentioned long-term. That's the plan at tackle, long-term. It wasn't Brett Veach. It was actually, um, was it, I don't know if it was Albert Breer. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. It was a NFL reporter who said the Chiefs are looking for a long-term solution. Uh, was tackle. it James Palmer? I don't want to – I don't. I can, I can find it. You're, you're fine. I, I just – I, I, I'm not going to lie, Kyle, okay? I have my dignity over here. My respect, sir. Someone. 
who was an NFL reporter, came out and said that the Chiefs are looking for a long-term solution at left tackle. So that wouldn't lead me to believe Donovan Smith. It wouldn't lead me to believe Taylor Lewan. It would lead me to believe a rookie. Or, like, I keep feeling and keep thinking, don't rule out Orlando Brown Jr. coming back. I think it's very possible. I would say highly possible that Orlando Brown Jr. would be coming back and starting for the next four-plus years at left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Before we talk Royals, it is the Big 12 tournament. Now, I will be gone. So, Kyle, you want to do this now? Do you want to give our Big 12 predictions? Oh, yeah, dude, I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Tonight's game, West Virginia and Texas Tech. Who do you have? I'm going to go Texas Tech. Even with the coach issue. Yes, this is even, this is just based off, their last game against Kansas, I thought they showed a lot. Um, West Virginia, they just they just haven't impressed me this year. There's times when I think they should be, you know, a lot better than they are. They should be higher in the Big Twelve standings. Mm-hmm. And then there's just times where they just they they fall asleep. So I don't trust West Virginia. That's my reasoning. West Virginia has won three out of their past five games, including wins over K State, Iowa State, two point loss to KU, and then a win over Oklahoma State. Again, I get where you're coming from from the KU perspective. I get it. But those three out of the last four, and even through the last five, uh, a six-point loss to this Texas Tech team, I, I like the way West Virginia's playing recently. I like West Virginia in this game. I don't know with the coaching um, that matter. I think it, it might play a, a difference in this game. Uh, I like West Virginia. Uh, the other one tonight, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. This one, the line is even. Give me the Sooners. Yeah. I agree. Oklahoma State's been rough over the past five games. There's, no, there's nothing exceptional that they do, really. Well, on either I team. Mean, Let's be real yeah. here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either of these two teams are very, very good. Uh, I think you can make the case that Oklahoma State's probably more talented or at least close to it. But I like Oklahoma in this one. Uh, they beat TCU by 14, beat Iowa State. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of either team. But I think OU gets it done. So I have OU moving on, and I have West Virginia moving on while you have Tech, and we both have Oklahoma. All right. Moving on to the quarterfinals. Baylor versus Iowa State. Give me the Bears. Give me Iowa State. Oh, here, come here, on. Here's why. Is Baylor the more talented team? Yes. Yeah, by far, right? I, I wouldn't deny that. It's not even close. But Iowa State comes down in packs. Packs. Packs it down here. This is their spring break. Like, people go to Mexico. But no, it's like even older people take off work and go, no, we're going to the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. This is a home game for Iowa State. Oh, yeah. They've definitely been known to to flock down here every year during this tournament. But I'll, I'll tell you this. It doesn't matter how many fans you put in there. If you don't have enough talent, you're not going to win the game. Fair? Give me Baylor. Fair? By double digits. Oh, come on. Yeah. All right. Uh, KU, West Virginia. Can we go KU? Yeah. Can we just go ahead and do that? Uh, Texas, Oklahoma. Can we go ahead and put Texas? Yeah. Okay. K-State, TCU. Now, this this is one of the uh, potential matchups I'm very excited for. TCU, surprisingly, uh, they're two-point favorites. Yeah, I think it's because uh, that kid Miles is—he's back and healthy. He's been uh, 
you know, he strung some uh, some some good games together. And uh, K State's kind of been up and down, up and down these last five or six games. Um, so I I think I agree with that two point favorite there. Although I do expect a close game. Johnson, Noel, Desi Sills. Desi Sills is the X factor for me. I, I've liked his play all season long. I used to watch him at Arkansas. Then he went to Arkansas State, I believe, for a year. Now back, um, Power 5 Conference, K-State. He's been solid as a six-man. Um, I like K-State. I like their scoring ability. Even though they they really get all their points from about two or three guys, uh, I like that. Um, the What K-State has, that, that three-headed monster when they're in the game. At the same time, give me K-State over TCU. All right, semifinals. Iowa State, KU, who do you have here? Well, well, Iowa State slash Baylor for you. KU, who do you have? All right, so I'm going to have KU Baylor, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Kansas. Baylor, although I think maybe Texas, actually, but Baylor has given Kansas just the best fights all year. Um, So I'm still going to go Kansas just because I trust in Dewan Harris and I I trust in – and Grady Dick, he's been playing well. So. Yeah, he has been. Yeah, I have KU too. I don't. I, I think whoever they play, Baylor and I have Iowa State. I think KU rolls this game. I, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Yeah. Um, Texas K State. Now the way Texas, do, you, do you have TCU winning that, or do you have te- or do you have K State? I have TCU. Okay, so we're, we differ again. Yep. So yeah. yeah, give me Texas. I think Texas. You know they've they've really had some struggles, especially you know with the Chris Beard situation. Yes, they have. Um, but they have they looked tough. They looked physical and mm-hmm. big and long and just a a mentally tough team down the stretch so far. And they're playing they're playing like monsters. So uh, give me Texas. Yeah, Texas is playing some really really good basketball, averaging almost seventy nine points per game. Uh, Marcus Carr having a very nice year for the Longhorns, but. I'm going K-State. Part, part of me wants to see the KU-K-State just game happen because of the local oh, yeah. uh, nature of it. Oh, yeah. But I also think K-State's playing some really good ball. Like I just like watching K-State. And again, when you have three guys who are extremely talented scorers that K-State has, when they have guys who can take their guy off the dribble, who like Keontae Johnson can take anyone. Uh, Noel, li- little different, right? But he can pull from anywhere, and he's oh, yeah. not afraid to do it on a fast break. Mm-hmm. And then Desi Sills, if you watch him play, he is not afraid to shoot the rock. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need in a six-man. You need a guy who can create his own shot, and shot clock's winding down. Can he step up? He's been some – it made some big-time moments for him. I like Tomlin, Tomlin as well for K-State. Yeah. Um, I'll go K-State beating Texas and meeting KU in the final. Uh, who, who wins the Big 12 tournament for you? I've got KU versus Texas – Little revenge for KU after getting beat at home by uh, by Texas. So, well, they had just actually lost. Excuse me, at Texas. So I'm going revenge. KU's getting that revenge in the in the finale, kind of on their on their home city, their home floor. The Mizzou in me hates this, but the logic in me has to go with KU winning. I have KU beating K-State 71-68 in a nail biter, but oh. KU again. I just think is. Uh, the most talented team in the Big 12, although K-State has some some uh, some ways to get it done. But KU's defense and their, their ability to guard, I think they can throw some different guys at... I, I know they've obviously they split, right? But but with, with Noel, um, Harris... Dewan Harris. Dewan Harris Noel is... 
in a torture chamber he, last time they played. He's just so talented guarding him, yeah. and that to me is going to be the difference. I agree. So, I like it. We'll do SEC in the third segment, but up next we'll be joined by David Lesky inside the crown at Talking Royals homestretch here, ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. Joined now by David Lesky inside the crown. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at DB Lesky and make sure you subscribe to Inside the Crown so you can get the best Royals information delivered directly to your email. Wake up with a nice coffee and read the best Royals coverage anywhere. Lesky, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I missed our texts, uh, so just get throw this out there. I think Lesky and I are going to get tattoos uh, of each other's names, and I want to get David and Lesky tattooed on my knuckles. I think that'd be pretty good. Yeah, your name is doesn't work for that. So, um, Sterl. Um, Sterl. Oh, you're, you're back. How about your back, man? Yeah, I was. I thought maybe like the breastplate, you know. <laughs> Well, Sterling would look good. You know, you you could give a ton of excuses on what that means. Uh, David or Lesky, I don't think I can. I mean, David is is pretty pretty generic. I mean, it's biblical, right? There's there's something there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> look, I I think that most people would see Lesky on one hand and think, yeah, I get that. I would do it. So yeah, I think it works. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into something that we think might work, and that is your projection for the position players for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, it's been three full weeks now since you did the uh, what the last or first iteration of the Royals it roster. Second. It was my second iteration. I, I did one before spring training for the first time ever, which was just stupid. <laughs> well, Monumentally now, stupid. Well, now now you're smart, okay? Now you're smart doing it on, I think this was, what, March 7th? This was yesterday when you did it? Yeah. yeah. So, so now now you're a genius. Uh, wh- what was some of your findings? Cause I, I thought you had some very interesting points that you brought up here. Some some players who I would not have thought of that you have making the roster. Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder a little bit, you know, Freddie Fermin was, was the guy who I hadn't had on a projection before. Um, well, I hadn't had Fernando Reyes either because he was signed the day after, maybe like the afternoon I put out the first, most recent one. So that... I have an excuse for not having him on there because he wasn't in the organization the first time. But of the players who were with the team and, and added to the 40-man, I did not have Freddie Fermin making the roster until this time. And part of the reason, I don't even know if I wrote this in or not, but part of the reason was because Drew Waters' injury thinned the outfield, which means I think you're going to see Melendez need to be out there more, and therefore there's need for a backup catcher. I mean, that, that's more than just a more than having the backup catcher playing in the outfield most days. So um, I think that was part of it. Part of it, Fermin looked really good. <laughs> he's hit, and and he's he's a really good defender. We all, I think everybody knows that part. But the bat, starting in like July, August, somewhere in there, really came around, and he had a great winter league, and he's been great in, in spring training. And so I, I think um, – I, I I think he's he's earned that spot, but also with the World Baseball Classic and Melendez and Perez both and Salvador Perez both in 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 that tournament, Fermin's the guy. <laughs> he's 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 going to get that shot, and so I I think the organization Quatrero, um, Hoover, all these guys are really going to like what they see, and I think he's going to I think he's going to push his way onto the roster, and that's why I had him there, but. You know, otherwise it wasn't 
I don't think that's surprising for a lot of the guys. I, I, I think the one interesting thing we need to keep an eye out for, Framo Reyes, I believe, is going to make this roster. I think he's going to be the DH most days. Um, he's not on the 40 men. And I think – I go back and forth on this, but I think Matt Duffy is going to earn a spot. I think Quattrero probably likes him from his time in Tampa. Um, he can play some third base where the Royals have some questions. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a, he's a veteran who can, who can kind of help out with just, just holding down the bench a little bit. Um, he's also not on the 40 man, but they have a full 40 man roster. So what do they do? And that, that's where the question comes in. Diego Hernandez, um, was added this winter. He's going to be out until I think they said July or August. So he's an easy move to the 60 day IL which opens up one spot, but there's another spot to open up. And so uh, you, you start to get into some some roster crunches, and I think that's where it's going to be interesting when they make their final decision. When it comes to Freddie Furman, uh, this is who I want to tar- at least start with first. I, it was interesting. I like your reasoning why you have him on the roster. I think it makes a lot of sense. My only pushback on him would be with MJ Melendez at least starting off a lot in the outfield, Drew Waters' injury doesn't – at least currently have him set to miss a ton of regular season time. He'll miss a couple weeks. There's typically a lot of off days early on in the season. Is that worth having Freddie at least early on uh, and then just basically holding the holding the spot until Drew Waters comes back? Or is he there for the long haul? What, what, what's your thought process here? Well, I mean, I, he's going to have a hard time hitting his way to a, a, a regular spot, or not a regular spot, but hitting his way to stay on the roster in that time. Because you're right, as of this particular moment, um, Drew Waters, I think, should probably be back around the end of April. That's a month. I mean, that's not <laughs> not a ton of not, not a ton of missed time. And, and you're right, there are some off days. Um, although this is kind of a quirk to the schedule. I don't remember this few off days. There's only the one that after opening day, and then. I think it's the 13th and 20th, maybe whatever that those Thursdays are. So they really don't have as many off days as they typically do. Um, but even so, Salvador Perez catches a lot, especially early in the year. Especially, there's not a ton. Well, I guess I haven't looked, but I would assume there aren't a ton of day games after night games because there's just a lot of day games. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. There's actually let's see one. Wow, that's crazy. There's actually only um, one before the second off day. One day game after a night game. Um, so, Salvador Perez is probably going to be back there quite a bit. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have, right? It, it's a, Well, it's potentially a good problem to have. It's like we talked, I think it was last week. The, the, these guys have a chance. They've got, what is it, 20, 28, 29 games. If, if Drew Waters comes back May 1st, let's say, They've got a month, 29 games worth of action to show that they should keep their spot when Waters comes back. <laughs> that, that, that's what they're playing for. And it's almost like an extended spring training in terms of auditioning for the coaching staff. And, and we'll see what happens. The thing is, we always talk about, oh, they're going to have this big roster log jam, blah, 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 blah. Usually works itself out. Somebody struggles, somebody gets hurt, something like that. So, you know, we we can try to look ahead, but we don't know what's going to happen. And, and these things tend to 
They figure themselves out usually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your infielders you have as Vinny Pescantino, Michael Massey, Hunter Dozier at third, and then Bobby White Jr. at short. I have no qualms there. I, I would agree 100% with you, especially with Michael Massey at second base. I think it's the best iteration, uh, at least offensively, for this Royals team. Uh, you're, again, your backups, Nicky Lopez and Matt Duffy. Uh, you mentioned in your article you feel like these are two of the same player, but one's right-handed, one's left-handed. Neither has much power. Both can work a walk. Don't strike out much. Uh, is there room, though, for both of them on this roster being very similar style players? Yeah, I, I think the Waters injury creates that room. Um, the other option is Matt Beatty. Um, well, there, there are a couple options, but I think the, the other real option is Matt Beatty. Um, and, and I think it's Beatty or Duffy, cause, partially because of the roster issue. Um, neither one's on the 40-man. So um, it, it just kind of depends on, on how they want to look at, at at one of their bench pieces because Beatty can play some outfield. He's a first baseman. They had him at third on Sunday or Monday, I can't remember. So, you know, maybe maybe they're trying to see what he can do if he can be that guy. Um, I don't know. My gut is just that they're going to start with that and see how it goes. I, I I think they want somebody who can play third competently, which Duffy can do in case Dozier tanks again or get, gets hurt. And uh, they, they have longer-term solutions if they want to do that. They have... I mean, they've talked about Michael Garcia playing a little third base, although mm-hmm. he played center field on Monday. Um, they've, they've got Nick Lofton, who put on, what, 20 pounds of muscle and, and looks like it. So he's a guy who could be there. They've, they've got um, some other guys coming up, and Caden Wallace is – you never know what he could do. He's a college guy. So maybe he could move fast. And could he be ready by July? I wouldn't count on it, but I wouldn't – you know, it could, it could happen, I guess. So – They've got those guys. I think for the time being, and again, the Waters injury helps. It helps open up a roster spot. I think they can both be on there. They've also got Nate Eaton, who can play third base. Mm -hmm. He was terrible there in a very limited sample in the big leagues last season. Um, But he's played there quite a bit. It wouldn't be shocking for him to go there and look fine this year because he has the experience there. So there's, there's just a lot of moving pieces that will have to stop moving theoretically when Waters gets back. He, he's kind of, it's funny how, how important he is to to the future roster because everything you, – you assume he's going to be in the big leagues, which maybe they don't. Maybe they send him down. Maybe he goes to Omaha for a little while, which I don't think they will, but who, who knows. Um, but a lot of stuff is, is going to be really interesting when he gets back. But for the time being, it kind of fits a little bit without him. And and it gives gives a guy like Duffy a chance to, to stick on the roster. David Lesky joining us here, ESPN Kansas City. Two guys I want to talk about and focus on a little more. You mentioned Garcia. He played a little bit of outfield. Was at center field in spring training the other day? Uh, how close is he to making the roster? He's been a guy who's been very intriguing for a long time. And then Nick Prado. How close is Nick Prado? I know he has the the power. He has the glove at first base, but the swing and miss still seems to be a major issue in his game. Those two guys, what do you have for us? I think the Royals are open to Garcia being on the big league roster to start the season. I don't think that they necessarily want him there. Um, and that, that, that sounds that sounds like they're against him. They're not. I, I think it's just he's got like 200-something plate, 205, 208 plate appearances or something like that, above double A. I, I don't 
think there's a harm in him playing shortstop at AAA for a little while. Um, and and he, he's interesting because Bobby Witt kind of portends his future too. Because so the Royals, they're going to play Bobby Witt at shortstop. Um, I, I, I agree with it. I think it's the right decision. It's where he wants to play. That's where the Royals want him to play. He was terrible there last year. Yeah. I mean, he, he truly was. I know you didn't ask me about Whip, but Garcia kind of factors in here. And, and I think and what the Royals want to see, first of all, how much Jose Alguacil can help Bobby Witt Jr. get better. And um, from what I've heard, Witt's been outstanding at shortstop, not just in games, but on the backfield and infield drills, all that stuff. I've heard great things. So that's a positive. But, look, if they get to, I don't know, June 15th, and he's still looking like he did last season, making silly errors, being one of the worst defensive shortstops statistically in baseball. I don't think the Royals would hesitate to kick him back to third and bring up Michael Garcia. And and because of that, I don't think it's the worst thing for a guy with, like I said, 200 plate appearances above double A to be sitting at triple A, putting the finishing touches on his game and as much as you can before you get to the big league. So I think the I think that's the plan. See where Bobby Witt is. In a couple months, two and a half, three months, and then move forward. But I think they want to be prepared that if Bobby Witt is good at shortstop, or you know, or if Michael Garcia proves to look really good in center or third or whatever, to to be able to get him to the big leagues when whenever his timeline is there. So I think that's what's going on with him. Prado is a different story because he's just got to figure out a way to make more contact. Um, they went out and signed Fran Reyes, and that's blocking Nick Prado because Vinny Pasquatino has to play every day because he's – I don't think this is a stretch. He's the best hitter on the team. Yeah, he rakes. Um, <laughs> I, mean, he, I, I said it last year. I said he's going to be a top 30 hitter next year, and then I'm looking at the numbers, and I go, oh, he's a top 30 hitter this year. So it's not that surprising. <laughs> that, that wasn't as hot of a take as I thought it was. I the left-handed Billy Butler, baby. No, better. Um, I love Billy <laughs> Butler, but I, I think Pasquantino is a better hitter than Billy Butler. Um, a better, better offensive player than Billy Butler, I'll say. Uh, I don't, there aren't a ton of players who are actually better hitters than Butler was in his prime. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that, that, that Framo Reyes signing was basically the Royals saying, you're going to go to AAA to Nick Prado, and you got to figure this out. We love your defense, but <laughs> it's, we, we can't support the 180 average with a 37% strikeout rate. It's just not it's not feasible. So I think he's going to go to AAA, and, and hopefully he can figure things out because he is an elite defender at first base, which I've said this before. The Royals put too much importance, or historically have. I don't know if they still do. They've historically put too much importance on first base defense, but I think fans put too little importance on it. So I, I think that there's, there's a nice middle ground, and Nick Prado is excellent there. Pasquantino is fine at first. He's not bad, but he's not Prado. So I, I think I think that's where that's headed. And, and you know, it, it's all kind of dependent on each other. Framil Reyes is putting up 2021 20, Framil Reyes numbers. I don't know where there's a spot until they can trade Reyes. But if Reyes struggles or if Prado's going off, maybe they make that move. Um, but it's just kind of all dependent on the flow of the season, really. Uh, two quick things here. Bobby Witt Jr. defensively, do you think part of his 
struggles stemmed from the longer season? Because it felt like earlier on in the year he was better, and then as the season drug on, his defense declined. Was there anything to that, or is that me just being a little glass half full? I actually think he got better at the end of the year. Um, but I, I am of the belief, I am fully convinced that that hamstring injury, you remember when he got hurt in late July, I think it was, and he missed, he missed like seven games, and they didn't put him on the injured list. And then he came back in DH, and it was just really stupid roster management. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Back in Yankee Stadium. I think that hamstring injury did a lot more damage to everything in his game than we realized. And I wrote about it earlier in the offseason. He didn't hit the ball as hard. I think he, I think he struggled to get his base. And I think that that's true both offensively and defensively. And so <clears throat> I want to see him fully healthy, and I want to see the Royals – if he has a hamstring tweak, go ahead and sit the guy for 10 days. There, everybody wants to be a 162-game player. And, look, we all appreciate that. Everybody likes the, the guy who can go out there every single day. But I, I think about Alcides Escobar, Whit Merrifield, these guys who were out there every day, and we could see the grind of the season hurting them. You know, you're not – you're not doing your team favors by going out there exhausted or hurt because you're performing poorly. I mean, think about uh, Kyle Ripken. The streak is amazing, right? I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. The numbers are great. Hard to complain. But you wonder what he could have been if he played 150 games a year and got a little rest. You wonder what he could have been if, if he wasn't just bone-tired in September every season. Yeah. You know? I, I always think about that. And I, I don't want to fault a guy for playing every single day, but – I think the I think the Royals need to do a better job of understanding what injuries can be played through, and and I, I it, it's just the, the statistics for Wit show such a clear line of him getting better and better and better offensively specifically, and then the hamstring injury coming, and he was just kind of middling the rest of the year. Yeah. So I I don't know. I think that um, I'm curious to see how he looks fully healthy, and it seems like he is now, and. Hopefully he can stay that way, but if he doesn't, I want to see them give him those days off and, and actually get him healthy. Uh, Lesky, a fan of uh, rest in the NBA. He wants to see more of that. He wants superstars to rest almost every other game. Same thing in baseball. Yes, I, want, I want NBA. I want. <laughs> I want Kevin Durant to play twenty five games because I think that you can get the most out of him. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Fran Mill Reyes because he's only twenty seven. It's yeah. not like he's a 31-year-old. Framil Reyes, if he does what he did a couple years ago, is there a chance he's actually part of the long-term future for the Royals? Or is that still just pretty uh, pretty far-fetched because you do have Nick Prada, because you do have Vinny Pascantino, and those two guys you're really, really hoping take over? Uh, because for me, I, I think this is a great signing by, by the Royals. Framil Reyes, uh, just two years ago, was hitting absolute bombs. I mean, he was outstanding, then had a horrible year last year. But, again, the age is is, is 27. I'm intrigued by him. Yeah, he's, he's interesting because he is 27. They have him under team control through 2024, um, assuming he makes the roster, of course. So, you know, there's, there's that. He's got to actually make the team before, they can, uh, before you can decide that he's, he's a long-term piece. But if, if he works out, it's interesting, but also guys like him don't make money anymore. And it's, it's, it's tough to say, hey, we're going to give three years and $40 million to a guy who you can't put in a field. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw. It was uh, 
think it was the game against the A's maybe on Friday. He was in left field. It sounds kind of, I can't remember which game it was, but there were a couple plays. I, I don't know a left fielder who doesn't get to those balls, but Framel Reyes did. Me. I, um, I, I will admit I will not get to those balls. I, I don't know. I, I think if, if you, look, if we put a Kenny G album on the other side of where that ball was landing, you would have run for that and you would have made it because I know you love that smooth jazz. So <laughs> it's, I, no, I, I really, I think he is such a liability in the field. It's not even like, hey, we'll hide his glove and left and it'll be fine. And no, it's not going to be fine. I mean, they're going to do it because you almost have to sometimes. <laughs> but you just got to Him, hope or, him or J.D. Martinez. Him or, I put J.D. Martinez. Oh, on. him or Chris Davis. Not Crush Davis from the Orioles, but the, the uh, Oakland A's, uh, Chris um, Davis. So Chris Davis is um, bad, but more entertaining. <laughs> it's, just, it's just sad watching watching Reyes go after fly balls. I feel bad for the guy. Um, and so, so there's a problem because there's just it's it's hard to give a DH the kind of money that he's going to want if he has two good years. And so, I think what's more likely is he's a trade piece, and maybe it's not this year. Um, maybe it's you know if he goes out and hits two seventy three forty five ten. Um, I mean, somebody maybe maybe they trade him in the off season. I don't I don't know. There's there's just the value for a player like him is just not what it used to be. Um, he strikes out a ton. He's going to walk some if he's right. So I don't know. It, it's hard to see him as a long term piece, but he can at least provide some home runs in the interim, and that that's a good thing for this team. Especially they don't have a ton of right handed power. I mean, it's it's Wit and Salvi, um, and then you hope Dozier but he hasn't shown it for a few years, so you can't count on that. And so, yeah, Framo Reyes is, is that guy. And, and ultimately, um, I mean, maybe he's not the DH. He's a guy who you bring up when you're down five to three in the ninth and there's two on and two out. And, so, you know, a lefty closer, whatever it is, maybe it doesn't have to be a lefty closer. Maybe it's just you need a three-run homer and he's the most likely guy to give it to you. I that could be his role too, but I just I don't know that he's long term. But I think he can be fun in the short term. Uh, David Lesky joining us right here, home stretch ESPN Kansas City. Go into the outfielders. Uh, you have Edward Olivares, Kyle Isbell, and then MJ Melendez. Uh, I love spring training numbers as all three of these dudes have OPSs over a thousand. Uh, you know when you're when you're batting six twenty five, three seventy five, and four twenty nine, uh, you expect that to continue into the regular season, obviously. Uh, but with well, the- all of theirs for sure at six twenty five. I think <laughs> yeah. that's. Uh, realistic, right? Yeah, pretty realistic. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like your professional opinion there. Uh, but with these three <laughs> guys, uh, is this pretty much set in stone? Do you like Olivares in left, MJ in right? Um, you like having Nate Eaton as your backup? Uh, is this the your best idea going forward? I don't know. I don't think it's set in stone. Um, I think it's really interesting because I. All, all winter, you think Melendez left field because that's mm-hmm. where he played mostly last year, or at least toward the end of the season. But he's only played, as far as outfield, he's only played right field this spring. So I think at this point, you've got to look at him as the right fielder, the way they're looking at it. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I think Oliveris right now is the front runner. And let's bring up Drew Waters again. This is interesting. It's really, it's, it's almost going to be Kyle Isbell versus Oliveris versus Nate Eaton over that month that Waters is still out, um, assuming he comes back when he could come back. Because um, one of them is going to lose their job. 
and maybe not off the team, but I, I could see Nate Eaton getting a lot of starts in the outfield because he's so good defensively. And you, when you've got a corner outfield that's Oliveira's in one corner and Melendez in the other, you're going to need defensive replacements. You're going to you're going to have some games that you just don't want to watch that <laughs> every single game. And and I think I think Melendez can actually be a solid, to almost good outfielder. So I have to say pretty good because he's athletic. I think he. He, he got thrown out there last season without ever having experience, and that was not fair to him. Um, and considering that, I think he did quite well. But who know? We don't know what he can be in the outfield yet because we haven't really seen him with, with some training under his belt. We'll find out pretty quickly. Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting alignment. I think I'm not sold on Oliver starting. I think it might be Nate Eaton, um, but you know, I, maybe it's. Maybe it's just a combination of those four every day, and, and the only one who plays every day is MJ Melendez. No, just throw four there. guys out there until they stop you. I just say throw four four outfielders. I think that's fair too. Yeah, like but, softball. But also, I mean, think about you. You've got scenarios where you can. I mean, four guys in in three. Well, three guys in two spots really is what it comes down to. With because um, I think Melendez is going to play every day, but but he'll also catch some probably. So, I mean, you you. You played two out of every three days, and and, and I think the schedule. I I haven't looked closely enough to see left, right, whatever. But um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you know who, who do they play after the Twins? Because I don't think the Twins have any. Uh, the Blue Jays, yeah, the Twins don't have any lefties. But the Blue Jays have what Robbie Ray and um, I think you say Kikuchi is still in the rotation. I can't remember who else on that team, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, there might be a couple games there that you say, well, Kyle Isbell's not going to play because it's tough lefty on that. So we're going to put Nate in center field or, or whatever. Um, I, I think that there's there's enough playing time to go around is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And that's, you know, whoever's the starter will maybe just be the nominal starter. Mm. Uh, switching gears to the starting pitchers as we spent the majority of the time on the uh, positional players, which uh, who would have thought you and me would run long? Uh, but with the starting pitchers, you, you have Grinky, Singer, Jordan Lyles, Daniel Lynch, and Brad Keller. And frankly, I think all five, I don't want to say are locks, but I think the top four are, are as close to locks as you can get, barring injury. I think Brad Keller for sure slides in at number five. Uh, what do you think of the starting pitchers? By the way, I just realized Robbie Ray's on the Mariners. I don't know what I'm thinking about with the Blue Jays. Anyway, uh, were you thinking of Hinjun? Uh, was it Hinjun Ru? Or, uh... No, he's out. Though he's still out from Tommy John. Wow. It's okay. Just taking pitches, so I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> I tried saving anyway. you, David. I tried saving you. No, it's fine. It's fine. I screwed it up, and I'm I'm an idiot. Um, starting pitchers, yeah. Um, I, I think it's pretty well set. I think that you know Lynch and Keller are the two who aren't. Locked in. Um, obviously, I mean, they signed Green Key to start. They signed Lyles to start. Singer had the year he did last year. He's had the good start to the spring with two starts, so they're they're good to go. Um, Lynch and Keller are the two who I, I I thought they were the starters from before spring. Um, I think they're still the starters. Lynch has been okay this spring. Keller's numbers have not been wonderful, but and I wrote about this the other day. I've had two different, two separate scouts tell me the same thing, that his new sweeper will change his career. Um, now, they both had the caveat that, A, it's got to keep doing what it's done, which, obviously. 
Um, and B, it could change his career in that it makes him a usable reliever. Because mm. a lot of people did not believe the move to the bullpen would work for him because his pitches just didn't have enough movement. He wasn't – yeah, he might throw harder, but guys, it doesn't matter how hard you throw. Guys will – if it's not moving, guys will be fine. I mean, you can't get hitters out without movement. Look at Jackson Coar. Um, so uh, I'm really intrigued. He's starting tonight on TV, so we get a chance to watch him. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that I'll, I'll get a, a t- I'm sure it's, it's certainly a third scout this time. And, and I'm, I'm just going to keep collecting scouts who want to tell me about Barry Keller. You know, it's just <laughs> me with a different number, right? I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, to be, to be fair, I'm making it all up. It's, I know it's just you. Um, <laughs> and they're mostly just, um, Billy Madison gifts. It's weird. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but he's, Keller is the, is the interesting one to me. And, and, Part of what I wrote about is that he, the Royals are in a tough spot with him because he's a free agent after the season. And two years ago, um, there was a lot of talk, well, can they get him signed to an extension? Because going into the 2021 season, Keller had three solid years. He was, still is, actually, a year older than Brady Singer. He's not, it's not like he's, thir- he's like Framer Reyes. It's not like he's 35. He's 27 years old. So he's a guy you, I mean, might want to sign long term, but, he was pretty content, from what I understood, to go year to year and hit free agency. I don't think you get to, you know, let's say he's really good through May. You don't get to four months away from free agency and say, you know what, never mind. I want to sign a long-term deal. So, so the Royals are, he, he could potentially put the Royals in a, in a bit of a bind. Um, but it's a good bind because it means he's pitching well. So I think, he's, I think they're going to take the spots. It doesn't hurt either one of them that their main competition Chris Bubich didn't throw his first inning until Monday, a little shoulder injury. Um, Anjo Zerpa hasn't pitched. Jackson Coar and Anjo usually have been terrible when they pitched. So, um, I mean, Mike Myers has, has started a couple times. I don't think he was a real candidate for the rotation. Um, Alec Marsh is on the 40-man. He's not ready. Jonathan Bolin. On the 40-man, I don't think they want him in the big leagues just yet. He struggled coming back from Tommy John last year. I think he can be, I think he can be a part of the solution soon, just not right, right away. So I think their competition struggling has kind of made it not really matter what they do. Um, the other one's Ryan Yarbrough, who I haven't heard anything, but he's only thrown one inning this spring. Don't know why. Um, not sure if he's just like, hey, I'm, I can throw on backfield and be good to go, don't worry about me, or if there's something going on, but whatever. Um, but I think that's your rotation to start. When it goes to the bullpen, we don't have time. See what that means? You'll have to go to insidethecrown.substack.com. Check it out. Subscribe. Check out the bullpen, what David Lesky wrote. Trust me, you're going to want to read about the bullpen because, according to you, Lesky, it might be the, the, the strength of this team. I, it could be, yeah. I think they have a chance to be a really good bullpen. They've got power arms. They have their strikes. and that, I mean, that's the key to the whole staff. Right, it's 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 not a this isn't a new revelation, um, but yeah, um, they they could be a really good bullpen. I think David Lesky. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at db Lesky. Make sure you go to Inside the Crown and subscribe. Lesky, always a pleasure, my man. Yep, it's always fun. Thanks, take, man. Take a quick break. Come back. Home stretch here. ESPN Kansas City. 
Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. Thank you to David Lesky. And who would have thought that we would have gone long? I have never been on time when I bring on Lesky because I get so enthralled by how he breaks down the Royals. Make sure you do subscribe to Inside the Crown because I'm telling you, you will not find better Royals knowledge or coverage anywhere else. Uh, don't have a lot of time, so I want to hit on the SEC bracket as we gave due to the Big 12 in the first segment. Uh, in tonight's round of games, uh, Ole Miss in South Carolina. I like Ole Miss moving on. Uh, LSU and Georgia. I like LSU, actually. I know Georgia's the 11, LSU the 14. Uh, I, I don't like the way Georgia plays ball. Give me the LSU Tigers. Uh, in the second round starting tomorrow, Mississippi State versus Florida. I like Mississippi State. I uh, don't know about you, Kyle, but I, I like the way they're playing right now, uh, especially without Castleton. With Castleton out for Florida, that's a massive loss for them. Uh, Ole Miss versus Tennessee, uh, this one won't be close. Give me the Volunteers. Arkansas versus Auburn. I like Arkansas in an upset. I do, too. Yeah, uh, I like that pick. I, every time I see them play, I, I know they played Mizzou a couple times this year, and uh, I'm not supposed to like Arkansas. I don't like Arkansas, but I think Musselman's a great coach. Uh, I think Ricky Council's a really good player. They have some talent on that team. I think it comes together now. Uh, LSU, Vanderbilt. Uh, I like Vandy moving on. Uh, into the quarterfinals, Mississippi State, Alabama. Give me Bama. Bama's so dang good. Yep. Uh, Tennessee, Missouri. This is not just the homer in me. Legit thought, I like I like Mizzou. Uh, and the reason why, one, Mizzou's already beat Tennessee once, and that was not a fluke, right. even though it was right. a great final play. Tennessee, Tennessee was uh, getting every single call. Mizzou still found a way to get it done. I think Mizzou's offense outweighs Tennessee's defense. Uh, Arkansas versus A&M. I like A&M. Texas A&M, I think, gets it done against Arkansas. Then Kentucky against Vandy. Give me the Wildcats. In the semis, I want to go with Mizzou, but I can't do it. Ah. Give me Bama over the Missouri Tigers. Again, I begrudgingly will say Bama beats the Missouri Tigers. That's one team that can put up points the same way Missouri can put up points, and Bama just has a little more talent. Uh, A&M versus Kentucky. I like Kentucky moving on, which means I have Bama winning the SEC tournament over the you wow University of Kentucky Wildcats Rudy would be sad 7768 this is the home stretch here ESPN Kansas City no show tomorrow no show Friday I will be in Chicago Kyle you have a nice time off man hey you have a great vacation I will have watch some basketball drive safe too it's going to I will I, I will drive safe everyone watch some basketball have some fun home stretch here back live in studio on Monday until then we are out